You truly are the king of kings. Welcome back, loyal listeners, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages. Welcome back to another episode of the kings of kings this is sean and this is keith sean it's been a while we are here to it's been maybe a little bit too long um maybe i think Um, we should just blame technical difficulties i think so too i think there's we've missed a lot of really big stories um this summer this off season for the kings has been pretty dramatic sean it would not be a lot of ups and downs yeah a lot of ins and outs it would not be well, you know what have you. It would not be untrue to say that we had a genius podcast recorded that kind of disappeared into the ether, and so we're having to recap not only that podcast but new news that's come to light. Man, I think it's a blessing in disguise that that podcast got lost because all these things they're, they're so they're so packed together in what one thing impacts another thing impacts another thing it kind of has to be taken all as one topic well sean lord of acrimony let's give the people what they want without any further they, delay and what they want to hear about is first and foremost what to me is the is the best news of this offseason is the trade for milan lucic i love this because we are going to be at loggerheads on this uh, topic i disagree I, I, go Okay, I think well, it, it's. I don't think there's any way to disagree with the with the statement that this is the best thing that's happened this summer because it's been a summer of iniquity. I would like to disagree, and we'll get to my disagreement later. But can gentlemen agree on how to rate this trade? One to ten, you gave this trade a seven for the Kings. I think, and I stand by that. I stand by it as a seven. What do you give it? I don't think I can give it a six in. In order to be in agreement, I think I give it, and five is really pretty much a wash. Man, I think I give it a four. Okay, why do you give it a four? I think the principal reason I give it a four is because we we probably could have got a lot with the draft pick. So let's just we might need to put a little break on. Real quick recap. We gave up our um, first or second best defensive prospect in Colin Miller, our backup goalie who may be better than some starters around the league in Martin Jones, and in fact he will be a starting goalie next season, and our number 13 draft pick in the first round of one of the best drafts in recent memory. Um, All of that is a lot to give up. And it's especially frustrating as a Kings fan when we we knew we had protected our first round draft pick in the Sakara trade earlier in the year, and we were all, um, you know, quite drooling over the possibility of finally having a, a high first round pick in in many years, and we give it all up for a forward whose production is off and on, who's on the ice and off the ice character or persona to me are quite uh, frustrating and maybe not the direction I want the team to take and someone who we are going to be paying exactly the same amount for the person who he would be replacing which is Justin Williams who is no longer with the Kings for this reason I I give it a 4 because I don't think it's a significant upgrade over Justin Williams who by the way, Newsflash signed for the exact amount we're paying Milan Lucic to play with the Capitals. Well, I will disagree with you on whether or not Milan Lucic is an upgrade over Justin Williams, which is one of the hardest things I've ever had to say because of my my unbearable love for Justin Williams. But Milan Lucic is bigger, faster, stronger, and more durable than Justin Williams. He had a down year last year, but mostly because of injuries to David Krejci. And he wasn't playing very much with Patrice Bergeron. 
He will be playing most likely with Andrzej Kopitar. Andrzej Kopitar is a significantly better player than both of those guys. <laughs> um, I would like our West Coast brethren to support us in this, though that may be a controversial statement elsewhere. Well, um, maybe maybe Kopitar is not significantly better than Patrice Bergeron, <laughs> but he's better than Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> and David Krejci combined. Boom. It's, so... Uh, Okay. I'm just saying, Milan Lucic is going to be playing with better players, and he's be, he's going to be getting more quality minutes. So, so I would not ex- I would not be surprised if he ends up with 25 goals next season. Okay, How many I goals would be Justin surprised Williams? if. Well, I would say I would be surprised if Justin Williams breaks 15 next season. Let's not forget that Milan Lucic is 27. Justin Williams will be 34 when the season starts. These are fair points. These have some per- persuasive elements. Justin Williams can be an enigma and often frustrating in the regular season. Not to say that Milan Lucic is Mr. Reliable. And clearly True. what we've demonstrated with our 2014-15 disaster, however you want to call it, um, we can't just have stellar playoff performers. We actually need people who can score and excel in the regular season to get us to the playoffs. And frankly, I think this is something, the point that I made on our, on our lost podcast, but that I think this, why I give this trade a seven and what I think that Milan Lucic is a very good player and I'm happy to have him on our team as a player, as a person, I don't know, but whatever. Um, I think the problem was that Dean got forced into this trade. Like you had pointed out before, that, let's explore that, that real quick. Well, let me with that. Dean had wanted Lucic. I think he wanted to draft him earlier. Yeah. When, when he when whatever I think it was a 2008 draft, but he didn't get him. But I think we were put into position where a couple of things happened, and these are all topics that we were planning on getting to. But again, everything so tightly wound, tightly bound together. I think Sakara asked for too much money, so we couldn't bring back Sakara. I think Jones was going to end up asking for too much money. And he so did. We either... And what? And and they were talking to Jones, and he was asking for too much money. Yeah, so I think it, we, we were at a point where we had to, basically, we had to trade Jones. And we had Barube in waiting that will probably be very quickly the next decent backup with overinflated numbers as a member of the Kings who is affordable and couldn't go to the major, you know, big league team and then come back into the minor league system um, because he'd have to clear waivers. Correct. And all, But all of that is pointing towards my read of this is that Lombardi was forced into making a trade and made the best trade he could make. I don't because like, I think everyone would have rather be traded for a number two or a number three defenseman. I That's just don't my think, issue. I just don't think that there were any that were available. Hmm. And it might have been that he called every team in the league and said, I'll take your number two or number three guy for this package. And they all told him to get stuffed. And the Bruins were just like, well, we'll give you a player that can step into a top-line role tomorrow and is guaranteed to produce 40 points at least. Like, he's going to be a 40-point guy no matter what. See, I would love it, Sean, if that were true. But I think the reality is that the Kings were not in this what's package our backup goaltender, our number one first-round draft pick, uh, our first-round draft pick at number 13, and a top defensive prospect, and see what um, teams will bite. I think in reverse, they found out that one of their favorite players from the time he was a prospect all throughout his playing career, suddenly, because of new management and a restructuring in Boston, was on the trade market for maybe the first time ever. And as soon as they learned that he was available, they very quickly put a deal together. That is my reading of how it happened. And that makes me think that they weren't shopping this package around to every other team for a number two or number three defenseman. I I just, I, I think that Lombardi is as smart, if not smarter than both of us, probably. And has the same read that this team needs defense because of the uncertainty of the Voinov thing. 
which we'll get to. Yes. And and so I would I would I mean this is this is all going off my assumption that Lombardi is a reasonable and intelligent guy <laughs> that he would try to get a defenseman first and if you can't get a defenseman and you still have to trade Jones, we need to we need to figure out what the best package is to get a an NHL ready player. Because that's the thing we could have just traded Jones on his own for a draft pick and then drafted a player in the draft. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't help us on on October 1st when the se- or 6th whatever when the season starts I think Lombardi has I mean the, the, the entire organization has the win now mentality is that if we're going to be trading players it needs not be for draft picks it need right. not be for prospects it needs to be for NHL ready players right although we may touch on the one potential exception to that rule I just want to wrap up the Jones Miller and draft picked draft pick swap for Lucic by noting that Boston then turned around with Martin Jones and traded him to our arch nemesis the San Jose Sharks where he will be playing against us on a regular basis next year so poop um, uh, I'm not worried you're not worried I'm not pleased I didn't I don't love the idea of rooting against Martin Jones. Some people are excited too, but uh, I think we need to touch because it's related, let's let's um, segue into another big topic uh, everyone's clamoring to hear about which is our defensive situation. You mentioned that Sakara, we wanted to resign, he elected not to resign and went elsewhere to the Edmonton Oilers for a very high contract so um, what is shaping up in our defensive uh, line pairings well I think uh, as is probably pretty obvious our number one number two guys are going to be continue to be Dowdy and Muzzin we just this past week signed Christian Erhoff for a one year 1.5 million dollar contract which sounds to me and I, don't, I think you agree as a perfectly reasonable very good budget deal. I I actually really like this signing. Um, I I think we should maybe circle back to it as we as we continue to dance around the giant elephant in the room. The Voinov. The Voinov situation. Mr. Voinov, Voinov, who is no longer in jail. Is that right? He has served his time to the state. He has served He's done his duty to civilization. Sean, are you inside of a leaf pile, or are you shuffling through uh, Spanish language notes? There's a lot of rustling over on your end. I have not moved at all the entire <laughs> time we've been talking. I'm quite serious. I'm I've been I'm sitting here. I have reached forward to to look up Andre Sequeira's cap hit, which, by the way, is five point five million dollars, a price we were never going to pay him. And uh, other than that, I've been laying here and watching a replay of Game 2 of the Montreal-Tampa uh, Bay Series, which is on NHL Network right now. I And you're not literally playing um, NHL Live at the same time? No, I'm not. Although I've done that many times. But as the first time. Them. So let's, let's rewind a little bit in case folks tuned out this summer on uh, Hockey News. Slava Voinov had been accused of uh, domestic abuse and was promptly suspended by the league. He then, while suspended, practiced with the Kings, and the Kings were fined uh, one time. Then, while he was not practicing, uh, severely injured himself and uh, was on crutches for most of the off-season. The trial kept getting pushed back as to uh, whether or not to try him for um, the alleged uh, abuse of his wife. And finally a court date was set and things were getting ready and we were about to have a um, trial of Slava Voinov. Meanwhile, he had been, continued to be suspended by the league, although they 
allowed the Kings um, to take them off, him off their cap hit, which had been an issue over the last season. And as we were approaching this trial and had discussed this quite a bit, what what happened um, that I miss that I'm missing out between now and then? Well, he pled guilty to a misdemeanor. He pled down the charge. Mm-hmm. And, and and we can get into why there is even a misdemeanor charge for beating the hell out of your wife. I have no idea. Yep. We do need our legal consultant, Matt, on the phone. Um, he's not oh. available at the moment. But I did talk about this with him, and he said that this is... This, it does exist in the States. It's one of these, like, in-between... Um, crimes that can either be tried as a misdemeanor or a felony. That doesn't make any sense to me. I know. That that seems morally indefensible, but regardless, he served 45 days in a pay-to-stay jail where he paid $100 a day to basically stay at a, at a hotel that he couldn't leave um, and is now out of jail and is still suspended by the league, is still suspended by the team for his uh, non-hockey related injury right that's an important and, distinction that as soon as um, the season ended right we and we then suspended him because he was he injured himself in a non-hockey related way is that correct that is correct and so he's currently suspended by the team and so he's in this weird kind of limbo in which is his salary doesn't kind of against our cap, but we also can't really approach him in his contract. He's kind of untouchable while he's suspended. Right. And we can't do anything. We, we can't spend that amount of money because let's say we, we sign someone for the whatever $4.5 million cap it that he carries. And then the league at any time can just rescind his suspension and all of a sudden he's back on the team and his salary cap counts back against our team. So well, he, he is in limbo and the team is in limbo. But doesn't our suspension supersede that? Our suspension, the Kings have a suspension of him until he's um, no longer injured, correct? To, to, the, to, the, to my knowledge, yeah, but the, I mean, if that's in, it, it's the same problem because let's say the, the, the league rescinds his suspension and then he but stays he suspended would, but, but he would still it, stay suspended if he's injured and on the Kings right but then as soon as he's cleared by a doctor his cap hit goes back up yes it goes, agreed. so like w- regardless like we need this the situation to be 100% resolved at some point within the next couple weeks I mean because training camp is going to start not too long from now so it, it's it's the team is in limbo because of the Voinov situation, and also because of... Hold on, hold on. Mu- so Slava Voinov, also, um, he would would he needs to get in shape in, it, in order to be able to play. There was some question as to whether or not he would be deported for his being convicted of a crime, um, which would be another way that this solution, or this sort of messy situation, would disappear for the Kings and for the NHL if the ICE of the federal government just took it over and said he's deported. Um, from legal consultant Matt, it sounds like that is not likely, and that that typically won't happen for a misdemeanor charge like this. Right, and the idea being that he also wouldn't have pled down to this if that was even a threat. Right. So that must have been part of the deal. So it seems like de- deportation is is no longer an option. So maybe it's helpful to just review what the options are for the Kings with Voinov going forward. Because we did break this down, whether or not it was on a podcast, a discussion, or while we were hiking through um, Devil's Post Pile, you know, cause like we do. The best podcasts are in the John Muir wilderness. <laughs> um, I, the, the options are, one, he just simply comes back and plays with the team. And which is not like out of the question. Which, which will happen once he's 
No longer injured, the Kings decide to relax to end their suspension of him, and the league agrees to reinstate him, correct? Correct. Or, correct. or has the league suspension run its full course? Do we know that? No. He's it's, still... It's in, yeah, it's indefinite. Okay, so that is that is one possibility. Uh, two... Okay, so yeah, yeah. Including that possibility is the league rescinds its suspension. The league could choose to not rescind its suspension, and, and he's effectively eternally banned by the league. Mm-hmm. Um, three, the league rescinds its suspension. He comes back to the team and is traded by the Kings. Mm-hmm. Four, the league rescinds its suspension. He comes back to the team and is bought out. Five. The league rescinds a suspension. He comes back to the team, and his contract is terminated. Interesting. Now, the Kings would be able to simply terminate a contract. Under what legal basis would they have for terminating his or any other contract? Material breach. I see. You know, this sounds familiar, and this sounds Doesn't like it? another major topic of the off season that we might need to get into. Uh, you might not be referring to the uh, Mike Richards situation, would you? I am. Perhaps we might even call it the Mike Richards scandal. I mean, what, what, what is? It's really a mystery. In fact, um, what what is transpiring with Mike Richards and the Kings? So there are a few known facts. Mike Richards was stopped at the Canadian, at the American Canadian border with an unknown quantity of unprescribed pain medication. And this happened sometime after the season ended and before the draft began July 1st. Correct. Because, and that's an important distinction to make, thank you, is that Dean Lombardi was working on a trade involving Mike Richards and either the Calgary Flames or the Edmonton Oilers. He was working on it at the draft. At the draft, he finds out that Mike Richards had this altercation. It's unknown whether he was arrested or not, and he has not been charged. But um, Lombardi finds out that this happened and has to go to both teams, or one team is unclear who was actually being, uh, which team he was discussing this with, and he had to terminate the trade. Right. This, This then led... Lombardi to instead of buying Mike Richards out to terminate his contract for quote unquote material breach. Right. And and this is all in the context of the fact that the Kings at the end of the 2013-14 season were given the option to buy out Mike Richards' contract um, without any penalty and elected not to do so because Dean Lombardi, your um labeled genius GM uh, was loyal to a fault and quote made the right decision for all the wrong reasons is that what he said yeah or made the wrong decision for the right reasons whatever it was Um, so then uh, then fast forward a year Mike Richards was even more ineffective over the last season he got sent down to the minors we couldn't trade him during the season we went into the off season, and everyone suspected that we would likely buy him out if we could not trade him. Um, so the context was he was no longer wanted on the Kings. Was essentially um, informed that he would not be returning to the Kings because of either a trade or a buyout, and it was clear that the Kings were going to be moving away from holding on to Mike Richards and his contract. And then this strange, mysterious event at the border happened, and we now have Mike Richards' contract uh, annulled or terminated because of this, quote, material breach, essentially a violation of trust and goodwill and moral, ethical behavior, and this is being challenged, correct, by the um, players' union? Yeah, they filed a grievance with the Kings. 
and there's not much precedent for contracts being terminated because of this type of issue. Obviously, just in the past year, we've had other issues with drug use, we've had other arrests and irresponsible behavior. Just this summer alone, um, these players like Ryan O'Reilly and Patrick Kane uh, have not had their contracts terminated for uh, material breach. And of course, let's not look in our own closet at Slava Voinov. So I ask you, Sean, was this a justifiable reason in your mind to uh, terminate this contract? Well, I think there's a couple different things here. What I think it is, is that Mike Richards, and this is pure, this is purely speculation. I think it is that Mike Richards is addicted to painkillers. Mm-hmm. If that is the case, and he is no longer able to to do his duties as a hockey player, then in some way, yeah, his his, his contract should be terminated. But according to the CBA, if a player does have a have a substance abuse problem. Their contract is not terminated, and there's actually a very clear and defined path both the team and the player is supposed to take. Mm-hmm. Um, they, like they have to immediately seek treatment, and there's all kinds of steps and benchmarks that are supposed to be it's supposed to be hit. But that being said, I mean, who knows what how this all got brought to light? It, was it did the team know it, in 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 my estimation, did the team know that he was addicted to painkillers, if, if indeed he is? Was this arrest at the border just the last straw after he had promised and promised and promised to get help or whatever? I don't know. I, that all being said, I don't think this is going to stand. I, I don't think that there's, unless unless Lombardi who's, you know, I think, it, again, in any person's estimation, a pretty smart guy um, and a good lawyer. Right. Unless, unless Lombardi has some other trick up his sleeve what what possible merits does this have to stand on? He hasn't committed a crime, or he hasn't been arrested or convicted of a crime. Right, and and that's unfortunately just an area where we don't have information and can't, you know, properly assess this. But it is troubling to me as a fan of the team and a supporter for a long time of the moves that Lombardi has made for the most part that it seems like we're taking advantage of a situation to um, get what we wanted which was Mike Richards off the team and his contract off our books when um, a particular situation arose and Right, but I think that the particular situation is also the problem. The reason we want him off of our books yes. is precisely because, in my again, in my in my view, it's precisely because he is addicted to painkillers. Yeah, if he wasn't think... addicted to painkillers, I don't, I'd have no doubt that he would. Be, I mean, he'd, be, he'd probably be in some kind of decline because he's in his thirties, but he would not nearly be as bad as he is now. I right. think it, the two. It's not that we took advantage of a situation. I think this was just almost the logical conclusion of the situation. Well, I think you've um, argued convincingly that there is a much more appropriate and established course of action for someone who is potentially addicted to pain medicine. Yeah. Or, you know, it's also possible that he may not be so much addicted, but is is pretty much um, crippled by concussion uh, symptoms and other long-term injuries and may not necessarily be so much incapacitated or, or weakened by the painkillers themselves as, as it is just his long-range history of injuries have built up. Um, you know, we've, we've debated this before, and I, I do think he is, there are some physical issues of Mike Richards that are explaining potentially his decline. So, I don't think we're, we're really on different pages here. It's just, um, I know that around the league, it looks horrible. I know I have friends who are, are, are really chastising the Kings for, for taking this, 
this approach, and I wish they hadn't taken it, even if it is a justifiable reason to terminate a contract. I think if he does have a problem, um, I, I would have liked to have seen another way, like maybe putting him on like long-term injured reserve, like you know I think has happened with someone like Chris Pronger, and then helped him get through his issues as a member of the team still on, on, on as a contracted player. Yeah, I mean, but again, I, I, who knows what's actually going on? Right. It, it it could it could be if I was just going to argue from Lombardi's perspective, and again, this is all pure speculation. Knows it doesn't happen, but it could have been that Lombardi came to Mike Richards and said, like, you have a problem. You have to admit that you have a problem. You have to go through testing, or whatever, in order to get help. And Mike Richards could just say, no, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. So it, again, it. The reason for the the contract termination could have been who knows, but again, it could have been because Mike Richards put the team in a bind, as right. he clearly did when he got he did get arrested. He did have where they got arrested. He got he had some altercation with the Canadian Mounted Police and didn't tell Lombardi, causing great embarrassment to Lombardi in the franchise when he had to go and terminate whatever trade that they were talking about. Right. Like that that's putting the team in a really crappy position. Like you have to immediately mm-hmm. inform the team when the, when you are in any legal dispute, right? And he and he didn't he didn't he didn't do that. And I think we both agree that what Richards did or what happened is not something that we're really castigating Mike Richards for. We're not like so. We're not frowning necessarily so heavily on the idea that you have an addiction to pain medicine or you're dealing with. Um, some probably likely injury issues that you're taking these medications for. Um, oh yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I think I, I think it's if it again because we don't know, and I have to keep throwing out this caveat. But like, um, if it is what it seems like, it's a it's a terrible tragedy, and it's it's something that hopefully people are starting to wake up to in the league about uh, concussions and pain medication, and especially after the the the. the the tragic deaths that we've had the past few off seasons with right. Bugard and with uh, Monador and uh, did you see that that video that um, uh, Dan Carcillo, everybody's favorite hockey player, Dan Carcillo made about? No. Uh, it's really heartbreaking. Where he's talking about it, uh, it's Steve Monador, right? The guy who's a black haku mm, died um, last year, possibly. And, and um, he, they were really close friends, and, and uh, um, Carcillo's talking about how like there's no there's no set exit strategy for hockey players, especially if you were a guy like, you know, these enforcer dudes who just took a pounding for years and years and years and their brains are so damaged and maybe they're addicted to pain medication and they can't function and there's no support for them. And I think that this might, and and this all plays into the, the, the mythology of the NHL player that they're tougher than every, any other athlete that they can take a beating and get back out on the ice, which in some ways is, is true and great. And in other ways, I think, you it victimizes some of these guys, and I think that was probably the case with someone like Mike Richards, who went through a couple of concussions and just because that was the kind of player that he was, just chose to gut it out when he probably shouldn't have, and it ended up completely destroying his career. Yeah, and again, time will likely tell, and. I think we will eventually get some more facts out of this case to better assess it. Um, I I do want to just connect back to the Slava Voinov situation be, and distinguish where, whereas I think we both agree that whatever happened with Mike Richards is not so reprehensible, we, especially now that Slava Voinov has essentially pled guilty in a strange plea bargain misdemeanor type way, to beating his wife, we absolutely abhor and are disgusted by that act and the situation that that, that he is in. Absolutely. Um, and and not to compare, like one transgression off the ice by one player and another transgression, but unfortunately, there is the precedent that the Kings have set of terminating a contract based on material breach in one case, while they're refusing to terminate the contract of Slava Voinov in the 
in, in the other case, for something that has been admitted to that is now essentially in the um, public documentation because there are records from the court hearing and we've we've had him plead guilty to, it, it seems beyond me why we couldn't terminate the contract for the same reason. Well, there's two things there. I think one is, as far as I know, you cannot terminate the contract of a suspended player. That is a t- technicality that is correct. Two, I think, and, and this is this is what makes, I think, the, the Mike Richards termination more interesting, is that I think Lombardi knows if they terminated the Slava Voinov contract, the, the HLPA, the Players' Union, would file a grievance and they would almost certainly win. 100% of there's a 100% chance that they would win because why because he was convicted of a misdemeanor and again neither one of us likes that and both of us find that morally reprehensible but the NHLPA's position would be somewhat reasonable in that they're going to say what are you going to terminate the contract of every any player who commits a misdemeanor cuz speeding is a misdemeanor mhm well, so so if that's the standard so you're going to you know, set, stealing road then, signs on the way to Mammoth, but you know, <laughs> right? I mean, what kind of what kind of moral monster would do that though? Back to the matter, hand. But th- that would be the standpoint: is that like you can't terminate the con of the contract of a player who committed a misdemeanor. Well, I think this would be an opportunity for the NHL to come out ahead and be proactive and also establish a precedent that it could share with uh, that that it could you know kind of put out among other professional sports leagues and be and say we have a zero tolerance policy for domestic violence and for anyone convicted of of abuse of of abusing another whether it's a it, it, it it wouldn't have to matter if it's a misdemeanor or a felony, there could just be a zero tolerance policy, and that player is automatically suspended um, forever from the league to play again. And I think um, that would that, that might not. I think uh, that might need to be negotiated with the players' association, but it, it would certainly put the players' association in a very difficult bind to argue that no we think there should be a tolerance policy for domestic violence and and to to further that i think i, I don't agree with you that it would be a hundred percent uh case closed that the players union would win a grievance case i think there would be um maybe a lot of consideration if if they wanted to back a player who has been convicted of domestic abuse considering the sort of um, time and place we are in where this is really a hot topic among a lot of other sports leagues. Well, yeah, but the, the, the NHLPA would probably argue, if I were their lawyer and I was tasked with defending this case, I would say mm-hmm. it is not the job of the NHL or of the NHLPA to be litigating things like this the, the legal, the, the American legal system, it's their job, and the, the American legal system said that this is a felon, that this is a misdemeanor, not a felony. Again, the caveat that both of you and I think that that is ridiculous, but that the American legal system has spoken and said this is a misdemeanor, and we have made those distinctions between misdemeanors and felonies for a reason. Right. Well, I'm just... And, yeah. I mean, because you, I mean, you can have misdemeanor... Dis- disturbing the peace and you can have felony blowing up a house right so I, I mean if I get arrested for being drunk in public and just being a general being an idiot that's Which a lot different a lot, than if I, for the record no but, but but like that that's a lot different than if if I'm drunk in public and beating up a cop those are two different things right and we have and to make those dis- those 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 are the reasonable legal distinctions between misdemeanors and felonies well, what this... about well, Sean? What about another felony like being caught with cocaine in Las Vegas in the off season? Well, I mean, if, if you were to ask my opinion on American drug policy, I would I would say that I don't think that should even be a crime. 
What I'm really asking for is a opinion on what happened with Jarrett Stoll, another member of the Kings in the offseason. Well, Jarrett Stoll, like, okay, so Jarrett Stoll gets arrested for felony possession of cocaine and MDMA uh, in Las Vegas. He was there just after the end of the season with a bunch of other Kings players to have a sort of blow off some steam end of the season party. Oh, that yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was apparently what was going on, and that was one of the things that um, the Kings organization was more upset about. Right. Was that people were partying so soon after the season was over when they should have been I don't know in their rooms thinking about what they had done. <laughs> um, but like I I I have honestly I have no moral problem with someone doing drugs. So I have no moral right. problem with Jared Stoll having cocaine on his person. Other other than the the only moral problem I have with anyone you, uh, buying cocaine is that no matter what, you are directly supporting Mexican drug cartels, which are amongst the worst things in the world. Um, but other than that, like... By local people. Po- by local. By, exactly, right? Think global, by local. But like... It, it, But, like, why was his contract not terminated? Because he was an unrestricted free agent. His contract was going to be void within a week. Or not void, but his contract was going to be up within a week of the arrest. So it would have been a complete waste of everybody's time and just an unreasonable disgrace of Jared Stoll to have his contract terminated that way. So, I mean, to, to when people try to use that as some sort of moral equivalence I think that their their ass is on backwards right and uh, I totally concur that as long as you're not putting anyone else in danger the use of recreational drugs is probably not the biggest thing to get your um, hair on fire about um, right now but the, I mean interestingly of course this is a potential felony, and Voinov's case was considered a misdemeanor. I don't know if just that, you know, degree should be enough of a distinction for the NHL and the Players Association to determine whether or not um, a player should either be suspended or, you know, banned for life from the league. I almost wish that they would be able to have more discretion than that but well but regardless Jared Stoll pleaded down to a misdemeanor yep so in a way it's a perilous situation and then what happened to Jared Stoll he signs with the New York Rangers one year $800,000 do you think that's a good signing for the New York Rangers I think it's a fine signing were you upset that he did not resign with the Kings no I was not upset at all I mean, I, I'm upset in the way that I want every player that was on the 2012 and 2014 rosters to be on the Kings just forever. Rob Skidder. Uh, Rob, I want Rob Skidder. I wanted every player on that team, regardless of contract, regardless of decline, regardless of whatever, to retire a King. Obviously, I know that's not going to happen. Would so, you want Slava Voinov to retire a King? I would, I would want Slava Voinov to have learned how great it felt to win the Stanley Cup twice and to choose that feeling and that camaraderie and that love of team over beating his wife to begin with. I would not I would want that to just never have happened to begin with. <laughs> you just want hockey to end in 2014. That would have been great if the NHL had just had just dissolved. Um on July 4th on 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 June 14th. So in the, the day in the, after in the manner of giving people what they want We've provided, what, five possible scenarios for Slava Voinov. What would be your preferred, and what do you think is most likely? <clears throat> I, I think my preferred would be that the league... Well, actually, I don't know. But, okay, it, it, I'm going to have to think about this, because there's part of me that wants the league to, to do what you're talking about, and just have a zero-tolerance pol- zero policy for it, and just, and, and just throw him out of the league, and he's gone forever. And he goes plays. He plays in Russia, and gets paid a hundred million dollars a year, and and dies a rich and and hollow person. Uh, um, but at the same time, 
that's the best. That's like morally the kind of the, the what I would want. What I would want for the Kings as a as a hockey team and a hockey organization is for the league to rescind the suspension and then we trade him and get something really good for him because I still think that there are teams out there that would want him. He's still a hell of a hockey player, and uh, and we could get you know a, an NHL ready player defenseman back or a or a prospect or something really good for him. What I think is going to happen is uh-huh. the league is going to rescind their suspension and he's going to end up playing for the Kings. And that is the situation I am most afraid of, because um, I really don't want to see him in a Kings jersey again. Um, I've pretty much made up my mind that I will boo him if I ever see him playing on any team, pretty much. I think it's reprehensible what he did, and I think it should be... should um, be booed. It should, it, should be it booed. It should be booed as a culture because clearly as a legal system we don't have the capacity to properly um, enforce and reprimand uh, a person for this act Uh, I mean the fact that he's already spent the time in jail and uh, you know and and it was I'm sure a very cushy and comfortable time at that and will theoretically miss no more time uh, of hockey due to it is absurd to me. So I think that would be the most awful circumstance for me to have happen. I think the most likely is actually that the, that, um, the league rescinds their suspension, the Kings remove their suspension, and that they then trade him. Um, what I would most prefer would be that the league as you've mentioned, sort of establishes a zero-tolerance policy and themselves um, banish him forever. And like you said, the KHL would wel- welcome him with open arms. It would be one more you know, thing they would hold against the American hockey system, and, um, and he would end his career there. Um, Slava Voinov situation we have covered as it related to the Andres Sakara non-resigning because of the unknowns with Voinov the Kings did not sit idly the rest of the summer we as you mentioned signed uh, Christian Erhoff for a small cap hit of 1.5 million a quick uh, assessment of this signing Sean 1 to uh, 10 scale the co- 1 to 10 scale for costs and risk, it's like an eight. I mean, he's not the best player. He's not going to light it up. He's 33. He's had concussions, but he's only making 1.5 million. It's a very just either a tradable hit, uh, uh, contract or it's a very just sit and eat it contract. So I think for uh, for a, a puck moving defenseman who is probably lost a step. Um, that is going to give you at best second pairing minutes, but probably end up third pairing minutes. But he's but it's a good depth signing, so uh, I really like it. Yeah, I think he pairs nicely with Braden McNabb, which is basically what we're looking to secure. Right, we've got our um, Dowdy and Muzzin pairing. We've got Martinez and Green, who could hopefully step up to be more of a second line pairing, and then we like the progression of McNabb, but I think we want to continue to play him and give him more experience. And the best way to do that is probably alongside a complimentary player that is a veteran and that might have more of an offensive game compared to McNabb's probably more, you know, defensive, rough and tumble defensive kind of game. So I I love... Yeah? I would say, let's not forget Jamie McBain. Yeah, I think Jamie McBain... Uh, <laughs> and Jeff Schultz are like perfectly acceptable replacement players. They're great number seven defensemen or those that can come in uh, to fill in with an injury. I, I just didn't like the prospect of, of Jamie McBain being our sixth defenseman if you know Voinov didn't join the team and we just had to start the season. What I like especially I think why I really like this signing is that it gives us the security and almost assumes that Slava Voinov won't come back because that makes the, the, the team makes a lot more sense now. And I can definitely 
foresee the Kings moving forward without Slava Voinov now that we have Christian Erhoff, if that makes sense. I, I really, it really felt like we were just, we had a hole in our lineup that we were waiting for Voinov to fill um, without the Erhoff signing. Well, I, I see your point, but I think that Christian Erhoff is a pretty weak replacement for Slava Voinov. That is not being disputed. I think okay. there's an acknowledgement that because of Slava Voinov's transgression, horrible act, and the, the situation that it has put the hockey world into, that he has jeopardized his value and capacity to play um, hockey for any team, let alone the Kings, in spite of the fact that they have paid him and planned on him playing as their number two or number three defenseman and taking on such minutes. So we're not going to get that back, really, in any way. Even if we trade him, we're not going to be able to get back a player as, as good as he once was. And so... That's why I think we've had we're gonna have to we've we've sort of had swallow this this loss, and if we can actually get rid of him, that would be great to me and get something for him, sure. But I think I want it's hopeful to me that the Kings seem to be constructing themselves in a way that would allow for Slavovoynov to disappear from their team, and for them to absorb that much better. I hope you're right. I give the Christian Erhoff signing an 8 because, you know, if he's healthy and good, I think he can do a lot. I think if, 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 he, has, if he has a disappointing season, it will likely be because of injuries, in which case I think his, his cap hit doesn't hurt us, right? Like when, when he gets put on injured reserve, or I don't know. But it, if, if, he's, if he's injured, it at least gives us roster flexibility to bring up another prospect or to put in Jeff Schultz or whatever, Jeremy McMahon. I don't see him just sucking horribly and us having to sit, like send him to the minors. Oh, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. So I actually like the idea of risking it with a player who has injury issues and maybe um, not be able to play a full season, but has a lot of potential upside that just other teams wouldn't want to risk. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think it was a smart choice. Well, uh, that was a excellent, I would say, sprint through a lot of off-season issues. Um, not many of them are positive, but um, let's talk about, I think... I think you said the Milan Lucic deal was the most positive off-season piece of news. Well, I want to rewind back to the very beginning of summer for the absolute pinnacle of King's off-season news, and that was the restricted free agent signing of Tyler Toffoli. Good call. Oh, wait. I meant to say the backup goalie signing of... What's his name? Are you talking about Jonas Enroth? Jonas Enroth. I forgot to make that hilarious joke. Anyways, backup Jonas Enroth, not the best signing. Tyler DeFoley for what was it again? What is our contract? It's two years, uh, 3.25 cap hit. So 6.5 total. That's insane. If they said two years, 6.5 million cap hit, I would say, oh, well, that's probably what he's realistically worth. Yeah. Um, totally. And, and I think that's probably, you know, it, it, again, that was probably Lombardi's argument, was like, look, kid, you're going to get this in a few years. And we'll and, and as is always, we'll probably end up paying you more than you're worth in a couple of years. So take less than you're worth now, and it all comes out in the wash. Yeah, um, we, you know, if, if you want to, to hear a full analysis of this deal back when it was fresh, I encourage you to dig into the um, 
abyss of the internet and computer systems where our podcast exists somehow, somewhere. But uh, for now, Sean, a 1 to 10 scale? Uh, for the Kings? For the, for the Kings, I, I give it an 8 as well. I would love it to have been... 10 years or whatever the max is 8 years I see you would have not won at at 3.5 but you know I'll take what I can get well I mean realistically speaking do you think this bridge deal is better than than just saying okay we're all in we're going to give you 6 years for a low amount now then (laughs) no this, this was the smart choice this was totally the smart choice. Yeah. I think you and it, I disagree. It just means... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. We disagree about what? You and I disagree that you think Toffoli has a, a couple more years left to prove, and and these are the two years that, that, that really will establish him as a bona fide, you know, top winger that is going to be a consistent contributor, and I think he's essentially already there and has that leverage. I, I think... The question is whether or not this guy is a 25-goal scorer or a 35-goal scorer. Fair, but clearly of huge value, especially to the Kings. Oh, absolutely. But I, I think that there's there, there should be a, a, a significant salary cap difference between a 25 and a 35-goal scorer. Unfortunately, that has not really been the case <clears throat> in the NHL the past few years, right. as like 20-goal scorers have made ungodly amounts of money see david clarkson but uh i I think it's a smart choice because if he you know he turns around and does what i think he's going to do which is score 35 goals next year he can he can come to lombardi and say let's see i am worth you know 7.5 a year and uh maybe you know joining the ranks of another long-term signing as we re as we weave this tremendous tapestry of off-season news we reach not just the, the past dealings and wheelings and hurt feelings of the Kings offseason, but we project into the future or speculate as to the one major offseason move that could have and perhaps should have happened in 2015 summer, but has not yet, Sean. What is that? Well, I, I like, first of all, to call attention to your amazing rhyme there. Oh, man. I think that, that was... Hopefully not overlooked by our listeners. Uh, we're talking about the the so far non-signing of Andre Kopitar, and I think to go back to everything that we've discussed tonight, I think until Lombardi and the Kings have a firm understanding of what is going to happen with Slava Voinov and a firm understanding of what are going to happen with Mike Richards, we're not going to see that signing. And would you argue that the inability to definitively conclude salary and contract negotiations with Kopitar potentially impacted the re-signing of Jones, of Sakara, maybe of Williams, the type of contract that the Foley got? I think 100%. Because Kopitar is going to make, he's going to make at least nine, right? Probably ten, yeah, per year. Yeah, I I don't see dollar, you know, the economy and the value of the dollar going down, so that you know, Kopitar should be getting paid any less than other comparable stars. I think he's could argue he's in the Jonathan Tays territory. the question might be, do you give him the full eight years? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think and if there's... I would give him 30 if I could. If there's any player on the Kings right now who deserves the max number of years, I think it's our most consistent leader in, in, in all ways, Andre Kopitar. Absolutely. But I think we are, right now, we are dangerously veering into preview and not review and Sean with that note I think we should give our listeners a fair goodbye and farewell Kings fans we will speak to you soon
real sooner soon. hopefully hopefully sooner than what we're used to very soon yeah uh prepare yourselves for the 2015-16 preview it's coming ciao adios Excellent.